Hi, it's Sean again. Um, today I'm here to talk to Tilly Walden. Um, Tilly Walden is a cartoonist from Austin, Texas, who has released three books over the past two years um, from the United Kingdom publisher Avery Hill. The first one was called The End of Summer. Uh, then there was one called I Love This Part, and most recently A City Inside. She's also started a Patreon account. Um, I think that's pronounced Patreon. Yeah. Where, she, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where she's doing uh, these uh, wonderful um, daily diary comics um, that I want to talk to her about. And I believe she also just finished a 400-page memoir for First Second called Spinning. Um, hello, Tilly. Uh, thanks for talking today. Thanks for having me. Um, so I know a little bit about you. We were talking about this before we went online. I, I sort of feel like I know you a little from the Internet, but we've never actually talked before. So I wanted to ask... Um, you know, I know you're from Texas, and I and I'm, I know you went to the Center for Cartoon Studies, where I also went, but I don't know too much else. So, um, so when did you get your start drawing comics, or when when was comics first a thing that you were like, I might try this? Um, I think I was I was about sixteen. I feel like compared to most cartoonists, I got a kind of late start because everyone talks about how they drew comics when they were like five, and they they loved it immediately. But I I never really had that. Um. And, but I always, I always did art growing up, and I grew up in New Jersey until I was 10, and then I moved to Austin when I was 11. And in Austin, I had some art teachers who were very inspiring and all that, and when I was 16, I think, or maybe I was 17, I did a two-day workshop with Scott McCloud. I think my dad, like, gave it to me as a birthday present. Um, and it was after that, that, that it all sort of started to click where I was like, oh, I've been doing this art thing for a long time, but I don't really like it, but I've just discovered comics. Maybe I should try it. And when I started, it took me, I was like, I'm going to make a six page comic. I'm going to begin my career at 16. And it took me three months to do six pages. And I thought I was just the worst ever. Um, but I, it, something about it just totally clicked with me and I haven't stopped since. Right. Well, yeah, Scott McCloud is a pretty good intro. Um, so was, were you reading comics before that? or was? Yeah, yeah, I read comics, but for some reason I never once had the desire to draw one or, or realized that art and comics were these connected things because I only did fine art and no one ever said you can do a comic. They said you have to do a painting, so I made paintings. Um, but yeah, I read comics growing up. I read a lot of manga. I loved uh, Hunter x Hunter by Yoshihiro Togashi, and I loved uh, everything by Tezuka. Oh, My yeah. twin brother and I were big Tezuka fans. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Oh, cool. So, is, so there, those would be like the first comics that like really stood out as, as um, your first memory yeah. experience? Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely started with manga. And then as I got older and in my later teens, I sort of, as I made comics, I started to discover like the graphic novel, you know, like Fun Home and Persepolis and Blankets and all the, the big ones. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I, I, I do sort of something about the way you, you draw, it, it does sort of seem like you have uh, more of a fine arts grounding than maybe some other cartoonists, you know, which is not. Oh, different. totally. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I, I have studied the human form so much. Teachers have just beaten it over the head with me. Um, I, I went to a high school in Austin that had this extremely rigorous fine arts program. Uh, and it was hard. It was really difficult. I still remember getting yelled at because my, my drapery study wasn't accurate enough. And so I really like had to learn to draw technically well. And 
you know, in the end, I'm glad I learned it because it helps my comics a lot now. Yeah, yeah, I can, I, I, you can see that foundation. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing at some point you had some sort of uh, architectural drawing background. Um, you know, honestly, I never, you know, I never had a specific course or anything that taught me that. But I think I had an interest in architecture, and when I learned sort of my drawing chops, it just kind of meshed naturally. Where I liked, I, I liked buildings, and I liked sort of these t hard angles and I knew how to use a pen. So it just sort of clicked. Yeah. Well, for, yeah, for people who haven't seen, um, Tilly's work, a lot of, a lot of the comics include just these gorgeous renderings of these huge spaces, um, that are like really architecturally intricate. Um, the end of, end of summer in particular, they're in, they're inside this giant mansion in, in the middle of, uh, I guess a, a wintry, uh, apocalypse. It sort of seems like, yeah, um, <laughs> But just like the rendering on on that architectural detail is like that. That was, I mean, that was your first book, but that was the first thing that really jumped out to me um, when I, even when I just saw the cover of the book, and it made me really um, curious to pick it up. So yeah, oh, that's I, cool. Yeah, I, I guess I, I wanted to ask you a lot about the architectural drawing, so uh, maybe I'll do that now. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, was there like what? Was there an inspiration for that space, this sort of like giant mansion that um, these two twin uh, brothers and sisters are, are, are growing up in, are sort of trapped in? Well, yeah, I think, I think the inspiration is, it was sort of a, a mixture of a lot of different things. I don't think that I sat down and instantly had a vision for the place and, and knew how to drew it. It was draw it. I, I think it was more that... Growing up, I paid I paid a lot of attention to spaces, and I got really obsessed with any space that was really gigantic. And I was sort of channeling that energy into it. And then as I started drawing it, the more I drew it, the more I sort of got to know the space. Because I really didn't have any plan going into it at all. I had done, like, maybe two drawings of the characters and of the place when I sent it to the publishers, and they were like, sure, draw it. And so I was just kind of, you know, every panel I did... I was kind of making up a new room and, and through the whole book, I, they, they rarely go to the same room because I kept just making up more and more rooms and getting more and more interested in the space and exploring it. Um, but in general, when I was making it, I just sort of, I had this idea of, I had this vague idea of what I wanted it to be, but in order to actually make that happen, I just, you know, with every panel, I would think, okay, every space is just a combination of elements. You have columns, you have stairs, you have archways, you have ceilings, you have floors. And I would just try and kind of mix and match all these different elements to make different spaces. And then on top of that, I would layer over these kind of intricate designs and patterns, mostly just because it's fun to draw or I like drawing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the sort of end result of, of those was the space. It was the end of summer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really, um, it's funny you say, cause I was wondering if you had drawn sort of like a, like an architectural map almost like to like <laughs> sort of keep the, oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because it, it actually, one thing it reminded me of not really tonally, but just, um, this idea of uh, sort of a family being trapped in a, a giant house in the middle of the winter is I thought of that, that movie, the shining. I mean, uh, you know, it's a book. Totally. Yeah, but, yeah. 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 And a few months before I, Drew the end of summer. I watched The Shining with a friend, and I think so. I think that totally influenced me. Yeah, well, that's one of my favorite movies. Well, the, and the funny thing about that is, um, there's this crazy documentary about it. I don't know if you Room Two Thirty Seven. Yeah, I watched okay. it. I love it. I love that. But and they and they go into the fact that um, in 
if you like these really like intense um shining i guess nerds uh try and map out the house and it's the house is impossible you know like the yeah the, it's the totally hotel, impossible. the overlook hotel i guess is, is sort of impossible to map out correctly because they they sort of did that same thing where it's like they had these spaces, but there there isn't like an overarching plan, and it's just it sort of adds to the disorienting effect of the movie. Um, I think so, and I actually remember thinking a few times when I was drawing the end of summer, I would draw like a window or a door, and I would think, oh wait, where the characters are and where this room is spatially, there cannot be a window or a door here. But I would just leave it because I was like, eh. This window. It, it, it kind of adds to the creepiness, also. You know, yeah. why not? Well, I was going to say, so yeah, there's a very, um, there's a very dreamlike quality um, to that, to, I think to all your work, but in particular to the end of summer. Um, and, it, and I think sort of the, the architecture plays a big part of it because in some way it sort of feels like the, the sort of house you might find yourself in, in a dream, like this big palace. Yeah, really yeah, exactly. And then, you know, then there's a giant cat that you ride around on. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. Um, and the cat, the cat in the book is is Nemo, um, and I yes, an that, obvious homage to Windsor McKay. Yeah, I was I was thinking, uh, and I think you know you actually like one of the things that I, I first responded to about like Little Nemo and Slumberland comics is is Windsor McKay's like uh, prowess and at drawing architectural spaces like that, and I totally there's there's definitely he, some like yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's what I immediately connected to in Little Nemo was just the drawings. And reading it, honestly, it's kind of boring, oh, yeah. which I hate which I hate to say, but you know, I I just totally enjoyed uh, the drawings in the space, and so I named Nemo after that. And then the cat in A City Inside. I'm trying to I'm trying to start a tradition here where anytime there's a cat in a book, I name the cat after a cartoon character or a comic character that I love. So the cat in a city inside is named after, is named Nancy after Ernie Bushmiller's Nancy. Oh, I did, you know, I didn't even catch that. That's awesome. Well, Nancy's, Nancy's a common Nancy's name. Nemo's a little more weird, but just trying to start this. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. And, um, huh. What, what, what is, so I was, okay. So you, you were drawing the end of summer. I, I, I take it at, at the Center for Car while you were at the Center for Cartoon Studies? Uh, I was. I it was the second semester of my first year. Uh, it was over winter break that I sort of found out I was going to do this book, and I consulted the oracle that is Jason Lutz when I got back to school about whether or not I should do it. Uh, he said, go for it. And yeah, so it was during the second semester, which is, for, for those who know CCS, the Center for Cartoon Studies, the second semester of the first year is like slightly more calm than the first semester, right. but there is still a lot of work. So I, I had to draw the end of summer in the early mornings before class and then do my schoolwork in the afternoons and evenings in order to get it all done. Wow. And, uh, of, I mean, another part that sort of has that, that being trapped somewhere in the middle of a never-ending winter, um, the second semester starts in, in the depths of January in Vermont. Oh, it does. So, yes. Yeah, it was very good. inspiring. Yeah, I'm sure, especially in the early morning when it seems like it's never going to get light oh, again. God. I, I thought, thought the, the sun, sun would, would never rise. It, it doesn't do it for very long. And then it, it really doesn't. Like, <laughs> it starts by like three o'clock. Um, yeah. So, so I guess I, I don't want to jump too far out of order, but so can you talk about your um, decision to um, go to the center for cartoon studies in the first place? Yeah. 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 It, it was, was definitely, definitely, I think a big decision for me. I think it's a big decision for anyone really, but I think for me, especially because I decided to go at the end of high school 
rather than go to college. And, you know, I come from a family where pretty much everyone goes to college and they get degrees and they get a job and they make money. And, and it was pretty radical or like my, you know, my parents knew I cared about comics and they knew that I was pretty good at it, but to not go to college just seemed like a big leap. Uh, you know, my teachers at school weren't too into it. Um, but I, I don't know, some in 12th grade, I think I just, I, I felt like I knew that comics was what I wanted to do. And I just couldn't bear to go to an art school or a four year college and just like kind of do comics on the side. I felt like if I was going to do it and get good at it, I needed to do it all the time. And when I, you know, found CCS, uh, it just seemed, it just seemed like it fit. And honestly, when I applied, I really didn't think I would get in. Um, I, I just didn't, I didn't think I was good enough yet. Uh, and I thought I was too young. Um, but I did get in. And when I talked to James Sturm on the phone for my interview, he was like, you know, you're going to be with a bunch of adults. And I was like, it's okay. I think I can do it. Um, and it, you know, it all turned out fine, but, but it was a big decision and it was hard at first, um, because I both had to, you know, learn to do cartoon school. I also had to learn to live by myself. And like, you know, my twin brother is in college and he was, you know, at a dorm with an RA doing that. And so it was sort of like a stepping stone. But I sort of skipped the stepping stone and was suddenly just like in an apartment in a town I've never been to, in a state I've never lived in, going to this strange comic school. Um, but it was, but it, was, it was awesome. I'm glad I did it. Cool, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I had a... Well, I had a much different path to the Center for Cartoon Studies, but it's a similar experience. Um, so, so yeah, so, and as you said, the first semester is kind of just like, it's almost like a, we've, we've always called it sort of like a boot camp where you just kind of like build up your chops and, and just yeah, totally. en endless assignments that uh, are, you know, it's, it's really good. So do you, do you feel, um, you were doing comics before you got there. Do you feel like you got better really quickly as you, as you went? Through the yeah, I, I think I did. And I think the fact that I was just drawing all the time uh, really helped me out. And, you know, when I got to CCS, I was already a fairly competent artist. Um, but I noticed already at the second year that even my art, which I hadn't expected to improve that much, had improved just by the sheer fact that I had put in so many hours. And, yeah, I think it, I think it really helped me grow as a cartoonist. And also just... The fact that going to CCS, and I'm sure you can relate to this, I got to know other cartoonists. And in Austin, right. you know, in my fine arts high school, I was the only one who ever did comics, and there was no one to talk to about comics. Um, and just being able to live and see a bunch of people who are passionate about something I'm passionate about was just really huge for me. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of like, it feels like you're going to, um, like, you're going to um, Hicksville. Did you ever read the, the Dylan Horrocks books, Hicksville? Um, yes. Oh, it is. It's, it's exactly like Hicksville. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's and, and uh, yeah. I think it's it's sort of this great feeling. Um, and I yeah. I I sort of got it the first time I went to Moco um, in like 2003. Um, oh yeah. I I I didn't know like anybody else cared about the. I just thought like you know some people made these weird comics and I know you know and to see a, a whole room full of people like that um, was yeah it was sort of overwhelming but. Yeah, I thought, I think I thought in high school, I was sort of, I would, I would sort of track indie cartoonists online. I was really obsessed with Sam Alden and everyone uh, like him making comics, but I sort of thought they were these mythical creatures somewhere in a far distant land having these cool comics parties. And I never thought I would meet any of them or, or I would ever be a part of it. But then, you know, 
Of course I did, and they're totally normal. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of the, the nicest part. Very normal and dunder. Um, so, and then I, I wanted to ask you, um, you you started doing um, diary comics for Patran, uh, and I've been reading those. Those are those are really impressive, and it seems like you're doing like at least like two to three pages a day of those. Um, I am, I am. I totally, I planned to just do one page a day, but I just, some days I have too much to say. So yeah. I end up, and some days I do like four or five pages. It's gotten a couple, a little crazy. Yeah, some of them are, are pretty amazing. Like, um, Oh, thank they're, you. They're all pretty amazing, but um, some of the, and just in, in terms of the fact that it seems like, so can you talk about how that fits into your daily work process? Is that something you like, you wake up and you do first thing every day or? Yeah, so it's, I've, I've sort of had to, to find a way to do it because when I, when I first started it, I felt a little overwhelmed because I was like, oh my God, I just committed to doing this comic thing every day. I have never done a daily comic and I've also never done a daily diary comic. I don't make a lot of autobio comics and I say that after just having drawn a memoir but that's besides the point um and so I, I've sort of figured out now that the way that I manage it is when I wake up um I think about sort of my day ahead of me and if I had an interesting dream I'll be like okay I'm just going to do a dream comic today I'll sit down and do it and then that's it my Patreon comic is over but most days it doesn't go like that um, so I just have to, I just have to basically pick a window in my day, like three to three thirty. That's when I'm going to do my Patreon comic or after I finish this amount of work and after I take a break, I'll do it then. I just, I have to make a little window for it because if I just kind of forget about it or leave it for the end of the day, it becomes like this stressor for me sure, because yeah. it's like, Oh my God, when am I going to do this? Am I going to have time to do this today? Um, so like today, I'm planning on doing it at two, and I don't know what it's going to be about, uh, but I'll figure it out at two. Um, and I've only, you know, it's it's been interesting. I feel like I've gotten better at doing them as I've done it because I've sort of figured out ways to kind of just sort of quickly throw out a comic, but also give it enough content and nice imagery that it's enjoyable for the audience. But there has been there there was one point I think around day twenty. I'm not sure where I just did not want to draw it today. I was like, I don't want to do a Patreon comic. I don't care that I have to. I'm not going to do it. And I got really upset and just like kind of stormed around the house. And then later in the evening, I felt fine and was like, oh, I can do this. And it took like literally 10 minutes. And I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm totally fine. And now that now that, that day has happened, it's been totally smooth sailing because it's like, I know I can handle it. I know I can make a comic every day. And I tell myself if... I have a long day or a really busy day at work. I can do what I call an easy Patreon comic where it's like six panels, some some blurb or or just like one big image. Those are really easy for me to do. Um, so I sort of, I can kind of gauge. And then some days, like yesterday, if any patrons are listening and can kind of identify the date yesterday, I felt really eager to do a nice Patreon comic. So I did and I sat down and it was like four or five pages. Uh, and that was fine. And so that probably, probably means today's will be kind of short because I kind of used up all my Patreon energy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's totally, it's, it's definitely a balance and it's totally a, a, a learning curve because I've never done this before, but it's been, it's been really fun and, and interesting because I think I expected the comics to just be like, I had breakfast today and then I drew comics and then I went to bed and then I woke up again and watched HBO. Like I expected them to just kind of be these retellings. But I think right. as I've done them, they've definitely become a lot more. And and I think that's cool. I'm also I'm so grateful 
that I dream because if I didn't have dreams, I think they'd be a lot more boring. But my dream, I have a lot of dreams and a lot of times they're pretty interesting. So luckily that that is a way for me to give my patrons interesting content. Yeah, no, I, I think they, they have they have been really interesting. And I was going to ask, so do you do you find that doing them, does that feed the process, your your other you said your your job, your your work, which is I I think at least for for the past month or so of your Patreon stuff has been had been finishing that first second book, right? It has, yeah, yeah, and it, I think it has helped me because I also think my my patrons are kind of rooting for me. Yeah, um, I think everyone's kind of like, is she gonna finish the book? She might, and then I did. Um, but so yeah, I think it it does kind of fuel my process, and I also think it's. It's just good for a cartoonist in general to have have a consistent project or some some small amount of work that you have to do every day. Because um, like even when I was sick and taking the whole day off, it felt good to just put pen to paper and make a little comic and send it out to the world. It just it sort of it just makes me feel like this little extra boost of productivity, um, and it feels nice to get the immediate response from people because a lot of my patrons are people I know, so. So, you know, I'll post a Patreon comic and my parents will come into my room and be like, hey, likes the comic today. And then a friend will text me like, I love that comic. It's like, that's weird. But then sometimes, you know, I'll post a comic that's like kind of melancholy and I'll get all these emails that are like, are you okay? And it's like, yes, yes. Oh my God, I'm fine. Yeah, I guess I guess that's one danger of sort of like real time, you know. <laughs> it is. It is, but I, I find it kind of endearing. I think it's, it's nice. I think it's nice that there are people who are reading my comics every day because I don't, you know, in general, I think I have people who will read my books when they're published, but there's this like really heightened sense of interaction with my work. I think that people are just getting a reminder of Tilly Walden every day. Yeah, sure. And, and, you know, and we, we all know, like when you finish a book, there's like this agonizing, like, you know, sometimes it's three months, sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's like a whole year that you have to wait for it to actually go out into the world. After oh my God. Day. Yes. Um, <laughs> so are you, are you feeling that now with spinning? Uh, it, it, spinning is the name, right? Um, um, so, okay. It's technically, <laughs> it's, it's a placeholder name. So okay. I've, I've been quietly avoiding using it just calling it my skating book. Gotcha. Um, me and my editor are still talking about uh, a title, but for the announcement, we needed to call it something. Um, and spinning is what we called it when we pitched the book. So, so yes, but we'll call it spinning to make to make it easier. Um, I am, you know, it's I'm kind of in limbo with it. I'm still doing some work on it because I have I have some digital work, and then I have to do the cover and a couple extra tidbits. But yeah, it's basically going to be a long time. I'm basically just going to have to wait until next fall. To like get gratification for finishing it right. uh, when it's when it's finally published. Yeah, that I mean that seems like it would be a, a crazy amount of time to wait, but I'm sure it is. Would... But but I think I'm going to be doing other stuff in that time, so I'll probably forget about it and then be reminded of it when it when it gets published. Right. Yeah, which is its own sort of weirdness. And just, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so so that's that is that's not really your first memoir comic but it's definitely your, it's definitely your most involved memoir project I would say right it um, is it is I mean I think my only so, sort of semi-autobiographical work was I love this part but even that was you know a lot a lot of details were changed and you know um so it, to me it doesn't feel very autobiographical this book feels like 
my first truly autobiographical work because everything in it is actually real. I mean, besides, you know, little things where like I changed names or had to change details for people's protection. Um, but it is like, you know, these are my memories on the page. You know, I'm, I'm drawing it the way I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and I wanted to ask you, so like the end of summer to me, um, your first book sort of felt like it was almost maybe like a, a, a half fictionalized but sort of almost maybe half memoir because it is about twins and I think you dedicated the bro- the book to your twin brother. I so, did. Oh, right. I did, I did do that. that. I totally okay. forgot. So, um, I was wondering yeah, if- it is. It is. That's, That's a good point. point. Well, I mean, because I, I feel like, you know, a lot of times um, fiction winds up being this way for people to talk about, you know, real stories but change enough details where either they're changing the narrative and, and like it's it's almost how you you wanted things to go or or it's you know you can heighten certain things but memoir seems like it's you 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 have you're the author still and you have the opportunity to like highlight certain things but you can't you can't change anything you can't change things as much at least mm. yeah not, that's, that's a very good point, point. Yeah, yeah totally i think yeah, yeah probably, probably all of my first three books have a lot of elements of reality in, in fact, fact i know that they do um, because, because i made them right. um but, but yeah, yeah it is interesting in the in the new big memoir uh, you're right. I can't. I have to sort of be true to the material, which is both an interesting thing, but also kind of a bummer because I can't add giant cats. You know, because there were not any giant cats in my childhood. Um, that's well, you can't win them all. Um, I can't. <laughs> well, yeah. So I was. So do you do you think? Do you feel a major difference, like um, in in the writing of? and the drawing of it um, compared to the fictional work you've done or? Oh yeah. I have never, this spinning, I'll just call it that is, is unlike anything I've ever done. And I think in some ways it will seem almost like it was made by a different person because I think the, the writing in it, I had, I just, I kind of poured my soul into it and I really, I, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just unlike anything I've ever done. And it's also, very long and it's the first sort of long form work that I've done. And so I also think that kind of changes the tone and the writing. And so I'm, I'm actually really interested to see how people respond to it who have already read some of my work, because I think it's, it's, it's definitely different. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. To see, I mean, what, I guess there've been a few like sort of images, I guess maybe were out for publicity. I, I'm putting out tidbits. I'm yeah. trying to like yeah, I guess spread the love. Yeah, no, it's been it's been fun to see little snippets of it, um, and I, I I get the sense, and I you know you've done you've done three books and that are probably all ar- around I would say like eighty to a hundred page mark. Mm-hmm. Right? That's um, correct. Yeah, but it, it does feel like your works um, would sort of benefit from like the amount of like pacing and stretching things out that that having a large amount of pages at your disposal. Would, would be good for your work? Does does that make sense? Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that's totally true. And there are quite a few passages in the book where, you know, I am very fond of the just like single image on a page. That's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite things to do. And it's obvious because I do it all the time. Um, but there's a lot of that in this book because I had space and I had, I had the room and, you know, we sort of capped it at 400. Honestly, it could have gone longer. Um, we had, we had to cut a lot. Um, but I think it, yeah, it totally benefits from that. And then I think it was really interesting to be able to sort of 
apply my memories to just sort of all these all these pages. I had so much room to think, oh, I remember being on the ice this one time, but I have all these pages to show it so I can show all these different aspects of this one experience. And so I think it it's going to make it, I think it's going to make the audience be able to sort of go really in depth with the story. Yeah, no, that's, that's exciting. So can you, can you talk about how do you, so how do you take um, these memories of a, a given time span? Is it like, I'm, I'm sort of imagining it as like a school year or something, but however long of a period it is, how do you take those memories and, and whittle them down or, or oh my God. process them it, into like a script or thumbnails? Or, yeah, it, it was, it was arduous and not, I don't think I went about it in the best method, but you know, this is how it happened. Um, the book covers, uh, technically me from like age eight to 17. So it, I cover a massive that's, span that's a of lot. time. Yeah, wow, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God. Don't even, don't even get me started on why I made that decision. Um, but you know, originally, basically I did the book in these two chunks and the first chunk was just 200 pages. And the way I started it, because, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, okay, I've planned to do this giant memoir. How on earth am I going to tackle all this material? So the way I started it was just by every day I would sit down and draw a scene. I would pick a memory and I would draw it. And someday, it would, some days it would be one page and some days it would be 10 pages. And I basically did that for a month. And in that month, I sort of had this collection of scenes and those scenes ended up becoming kind of the sort of fundamental plot points of the book. Because, you know, naturally every day that I sat down to draw a memory, important ones would come to my mind. And so then the process became, okay, I have these sort of pockets of memory covering the span of time. Now I need to connect them, right? And I need to connect them and make an actual narrative, which I attempted to do. And after attempting to do that, I ended up with 200 pages of this very choppy book. You know, like 200 pages of like, you know, memories, I grow up way too fast. Um, but, but again, in, in those 200 pages were the kernels of the book, those, all the important moments. And then with those 200 pages, we pitched the book and I got the, the got, I got the deal with for a second and I got this editor, uh, Connie Shu. Um, and she is amazing. And she is the one who basically helped me take these 200 pages and stretch them out and be like, this moment is important. You need to make it four pages longer because it needs to breathe. And so I, I stretched out this choppy book, added transitions, added memories, cut other memories, um, and sort of out of that emerged the book. But it was so, you know, the writing of it was so difficult because it was like every, to me, every memory I had was important. I was like, oh, I remember it. That was interesting. I should put it in the book. And I sort of had to learn to think just because it's a memory and it's important to me doesn't mean it's important to this story. And so that's where a lot of the sort of cutting and adding and stretching had to come in. Right. Is it sort of like, is it sort of dis disorienting or is there a need to like sort of like dissociate a little bit and take a step? Back? Completely. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, when I would talk to my editor on the phone, we would talk about Tilly, the character, not me, because it was just too difficult to try and talk about these experiences and, you know, deal with my own emotions about it and also make a cohesive story. Um, but I totally, you know, I, this is one of those books that I could not have put together by myself. You know, when I started working on it, James Stern was my thesis advisor and this book was my thesis and he helped me get it going and Connie helped me finish it. 
And I'm so grateful I had them because, you know, I'm so biased with the material. I cannot decide whether or not to cut a scene because I'm like, no, but I'm so cute. I have to keep that scene. You know, I can't make that decision. I have no idea. And so luckily I had Connie to be like, no, you you may be cute in that scene, but you really need to cut it. And then I would. I I just totally trusted her. And now, you know, now that the book is drawn and I'm just doing all this cleanup stuff and I'm looking at it, I feel really proud of how far it's come because it was just such a, it felt like such a messy process to put together. Yeah. I didn't realize that um, Connie, she did uh, for a second book. So that's funny Cause she's, she's actually editing one of my good friends. Um, like he has like a YA uh, novel trilogy that, yeah. Editing. Yeah. She works at, she works at Roaring Brook, which right, is the, yeah. par- the parent company of first second. Cool. So she, she will occasionally do first second books. Yeah. That's awesome. She was she was the one who when we pitched the book she responded immediately and you know there were a lot of other publishers we talked to but you know something she she saw something in the book uh, instantly. Oh, that's great! No, I I know she's she's got good taste and she's she's a really great editor. So that's yeah, really she's a wonderful book. editor. So um so doing this so creating memoir comics it feels like I mean I've done a few and I, I know other people have it feels like there's a sort of processing that happens maybe it. Is there processing for you? Um, and if oh that, yeah, and I'm yeah, gonna, I was going to ask if if so. It do you think that does it happen at the writing stage, or is does the drawing it's is the drawing itself sort of a processing or like an exercising? Or I was I was curious. Like, do you think it happens maybe more writing or drawing or both? Or are there different parts um, to it? I think for me, my my processing happens when I'm drawing because when I'm writing. I'm still sort of, I feel a bit distant from everything, but when I'm actually drawing the characters and drawing these experiences, I'm both thinking to myself, oh my God, that actually happened. And then my next thought as I'm drawing is, I need to deal with that. You know, I need to try and understand what happened. And then once the drawing is done, I always, you know, with every page that I drew, all 400 goddamn pages, I felt this, I felt this release after I would draw the page because I'd be like, okay, that that's it. That memory is down and I can kind of let go of it. And, you know, I have so much baggage when it comes to ice skating as everyone will find out in this book. You know, I never, I never thought I would ever make a comic about it. I really didn't. And the fact that I made a book about it still kind of surprises me because I so, when I quit skating, I just so deeply hated the sport. I was like, I will never talk about this again. I will never think about this again. And so every time I drew another memory or another instance of me on the ice, I was just like, ah, this feels so good to just finally let this all go. Yeah, was it was like drawing it almost like a way of, it was almost like you were turning this old experience that you sort of went to let go of, you're processing it through this new identity that you've created for yourself as like, as like a graphic novelist, like you're. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, I I like to think that I make comics for an audience, but really I think I just made this book so I could, you know, deal with this, deal with it just for myself. And it's, it's like a plus that at the end of the day, people get to read it and I get to make some money. Um, but really the whole point of it for me was just to, yeah, to deal with the experience. And, and I did, and I feel like I feel older and wiser because of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but I think, and I think that's what a lot of people have to do when writing a writing a novel or drawing a comic or graphic novel is you. That's all you can do is just try and process your own experiences and make sense of whatever data or experience you're trying to corral. And 
I think that's what people respond to when they read it. They're like, ah, somebody else is trying to make sense of this same thing. Or, mm-hmm. I recognize this, like there's like truth in this and you know, yeah, I don't know. I, fe- I feel like that's part of the whole reader creator. Uh, I don't know. Content. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I also think the, one of the biggest things I learned from doing this is that just because you're a remember an experience as negative doesn't mean it was all negative. You know, there are so many, good things in this book and there are so many drawings I made where I realized you know I saw a lot of beautiful things as a kid I got to be in these really interesting rinks and interesting places I got to travel because of ice skating and I realized that there's you know drawing it helped me realize that there's a lot more than just negativity to an experience yeah yeah that's interesting yeah and um I think a a few of the publicity images that came out there maybe like the first couple of pages of the book um there's this you standing on the ice underneath yeah, yeah. of this huge like cathedral like uh ice rink and it, it really sort of harkened back to that that house um the architecture of that house in the end of summer and i was like ah oh, i wonder if that's sort of partially partially where it came I, from kind of a source yeah, yeah I, I totally realized that too and, and the, the funny thing is that drawing of that rink that rink is actually that big. You know, a lot of the places that I drew, ice rinks can tend to be giant. And I skated in a lot of Olympic-sized rinks, so they're they're just massive. And so I'm not even, like, making myself a little smaller or, make, or making the space seem bigger than it was. I actually was in a lot of these really giant spaces as a kid, and I think it totally influenced me. No, and there, there's some... There's some... <clears throat> something about the way you draw them it, it seems like it feels true like it doesn't feel like you're exaggerating it and that's like a oh really, good that's a it's, there's a nice feeling of looking at it you're like wow that looks crazy huge but it, it doesn't look like made up it looks it looks completely realistic um and it creates this really great contrast between the space and the characters um do you, do you think about that like contrasting um the characters and the spaces do you, do you feel like the architecture kind of reveals anything about like the interior mindset of the characters or are they oh yeah I do I I am I am kind of obsessed with that idea I do that all the time and and there's a lot of instances of that in this book I think I think a person's or a character's relationship to the space they're in is so important no matter how they're feeling or or what's going on because I think it just I think it grounds them I think it it lets the the reader sit in their shoes rather than just a close-up of a face to try right. and understand how a character feels. I like to zoom back and put them, make them small and let the people see where they are and how they're responding to it. And I just, yeah, I just, I, I love how that, I love how that image makes people feel. And I love how drawing, I love drawing that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, yeah. it's sort of a perfect a perfect thing for me because I love drawing architecture and I love drawing people. And so when I get to put them together and create these spaces, it just, it, it makes this really interesting effect. And I really, I really kind of dive into that in this book and I don't want to give away too much. Although again, anything I say, people are going to forget by next fall. Um, but there's, there's a lot of that because there's a lot of, um, I'm alone along the book, uh, just doing, you know, doing things or at rinks. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of me interacting with the different rinks and the different spaces. Right. Yeah. There, there is sort of like an isolating, um, quality to, to that, that, de- that device or your, your, um, I don't know, uh, your ability to put these characters <laughs> in these large, 
landscapes or spaces. I though the I I sort of like I in my in my notes I wrote down like landscapes, but thinking about them, I feel like you do do some external landscapes, but like the times when they seem like really vast, they're actually like these. They it feels like they're predominantly like, these huge interior spaces. Yeah, they are. That's interesting. That's a very good point. They are most of my biggest spaces and biggest shots of spaces are of interior places. Yeah, I I thought that was interesting. Um, I because I, I I sort of I I was wondering if um this may be a weird question, but I sort of feel like does does being from Texas make you think about space in a weird way <laughs> or like because uh I I don't know if that's a weird question, but I it reminds me of sort of like some other artists I I am like big fans of um or like musicians actually and, mm-hmm. and some film directors but their their way they think about space they've talked about like being being from like this like open landscape in Austin makes them think about that and I, I didn't yeah no actually I think I think I think the answer is yes I, I think it's true because you know I have the contrast of having both lived in New Jersey and Texas, and there's definitely something about Texas that you do not get in New Jersey. And I think the the biggest thing for me, and I, I, I still harp on this and talk about it with my parents all the time, is that I'm actually convinced that the sky is bigger in Texas. It's just... I think it's they have a song crazy. about that. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sure they do. And I'm sure it's in all sorts of media. Yeah. But just every day that I'm outside, I... There's something so massive about it that I just can't get over. And, you know, I loved living in Vermont, but the sky was not as big there. The clouds were not as impressive. And I do think Texas has this scale to it that is just kind of insane. Yeah. Um, That that definitely, I think I internalized growing up here. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been able to spend much time there, but, like, I've driven through a little bit, and I feel like, like, the, it feels like, in Texas, like you can almost see far enough that you can like almost see the curve of. The, it's probably like an illusion, but you can, it feels like you can almost see the curve of the Earth. Like the Earth is curving away. Yes, exactly. Like, we're in Vermont. You just you know you have trees and mountains like sort of like up in your face all the time, like blocking out the sun. Uh, yeah, and it's um, just you know I I've done a lot of I did a lot of road trips growing up because a lot of and you know a lot of it is in the book. Um, I I traveled to a lot of different places in Texas for competitions. Specifically, a lot of times I went to Dallas or Houston. And so I've done a lot of road tripping within Texas, and it's just amazing how you can drive so far and you're still in Texas. It's just a huge, it's a huge state. It takes a really long time to leave this state. And that's another thing that I think just like the sort of endless nature of it that I think I internalized. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so... How how did you? I'm curious. How did you um, wind up finding a, um, a a United Kingdom or UK based publisher to to work with your early books? Uh, this, this is a great story. story. I, I tell it all the time, time. Um, <laughs> and I tell it again. Um, I uh, when I was in eleventh grade. Um, I, my dad came to me and was like, Tilly, you're good at this whole comics thing, but you're terrible at this marketing thing and you have to make a Twitter and you have to make a website. And I was like, dad, I hate you. I don't want to do that. I didn't actually say that, but I did cry because I was very upset about it because I didn't want to make a Twitter because I didn't think I was good enough yet. But I eventually caved in and listened to him and I made a Twitter. And so for the next year or so while I was in high school, I was like, okay. And I, I posted, 
I would post uh, a sketch every day, and I, my dad helped me build a website where I put some comics on it, and then that was that. And I had, you know, maybe 200 followers, and I thought that's just how it would be forever. But we've, I think we've, we've tried to figure it out, me and my editor, Avery Hill, about who the source of it is. We think a cartoonist, a British cartoonist named Mike Medaglia, um, retweeted one of my sketches. And his retweet uh, then caused one of my sketches to appear in Avery Hill's uh, feed. And that led Ricky, Ricky Miller, uh, one of the co-publishers at Avery Hill, to go to my Twitter and to go to my website, which had an email on it. And he read all my comics, and he emailed me instantly and said, hey, I like your work a lot. Would you be interested in working together? And I still remember I was eating a burger uh, <laughs> When, and checking my email on my phone, and I got this email from Avery Hill Publishing, and I was like, Mom, this is so sketchy. Who is this? This is probably spam. And she was like, it's probably spam. Um, but I responded and said, hi, um, I'm sorry, but I'm in high school, and I don't think I'm ready to do any books yet. And, and he emailed back immediately, immediately and was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize how old you were because my, I didn't put my age on my website. Right, yeah. And he was like, I'm so sorry. Go back to high school. Let's talk, when you, let's talk when you're not in school. And so I was like, okay, bye. And I honestly thought that would be the end of that and I would never hear from them again. But lo and behold, in my first year at CCS, at the end of the first semester, I got another email from him. I got an email from Ricky that said, hey – uh, I noticed from your Twitter that you're at this cartoon school now, so you're, you know, kind of not a child anymore, and uh, would you still be interested in doing a book? And at that point, I was like, you know, I still don't really know who these guys are, um, but I kind of want to do a graphic novel, so why not? Uh, and then that was that was it. That's all it took. It took a retweet. That's awesome. Yeah, well, it's amazing, like, the what it's something an innocent retweet can do on the internet these days. It's true. It's true. And it's just, I think it goes to show also that it's so important for young cartoonists, if you're promoting yourself on social media, and I don't mean to start, you know, blabbing about this kind of stuff, but I'll say this, um, to have uh, a website or an email or just somewhere where there's a corner in the, the universe of the internet that is just yours for people to go and see who you yeah, are. Definitely. Yeah. And, and also, yeah, I think the thing that's really annoying is if you, you find someone's comics you really like and there's no way to buy them. So have a store, kids. Like, yes, you know, yes. Store, and just buy like... comics and, uh, yeah, and have a website that people can find 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 all your stuff in one place. Yeah. That's my major, my place. deep, deep major pet peeve is when young cartoonists, not even just young cartoonists, any cartoonists don't put their name on stuff and their usernames are something like Happy Clown Kid. And it's like, <laughs> hey, Happy Clown Kid, what the hell is your name? Because I'd love to you know, talk to you or look at your comics, but I don't know what your real name is. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's good advice too. I, I'm really bad. I like half of my comics. I forget. I like, I like print it, and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't put my name. On. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad about that, but yeah. That's funny. It's that's funny. funny. But like on your Twitter, I can go and I can see that you're Sean Ford. Yeah. That's all I need. I'm on that's brand. all I need. Just put your name. <laughs> don't put, don't put a joke. It's not funny. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah, exactly. It's it's weird because I mean. Yeah, I think I think the internet sort of uh, breeds some sort of distrust of doing that, or like it's not cool to do that. I, I don't know. Like, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I was. You know, when I started all my social media, I wasn't really sure. Should I put like Comics Love ninety three? Like I don't know. Um, but my dad was like, you should just put your name. Make your. He was like, your name is your brand, Tilly. Make your brand 
the same across all platforms at Tilly Walden on everything. And I was like, okay, dad, I think you're, I don't think you know anything, but fine. And it turns out he was right. That's good advice. That's very good advice. Good job, dad. My dad, yeah, was, thanks, my dad, dad. does not know about social media branding. <laughs> so I, I did not get that level of advice. That's, that's, that's really good advice actually. Um, I know my, my dad's been on Instagram longer than I have been. Oh really? Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't think, yeah, my, yeah, I don't, my mom has an email address. My dad does not. My mom got on Facebook recently, which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's a story for another day. Um, yeah. I, I didn't want to skip over. I, we, we sort of like the momentum of the conversation shifted us away. I, I wanted to talk about, I love this part, which I, I love that, that book a lot. I think it's a really good. Oh, thank portrayal. you. Yeah. I think it's a really great and like very realistic portrayal of like, of a high school friendship that sort of turns into love and then, you know, grows out of love. Um, and is that, is that hard to do? Like is, is, and that, that, that I wondered if that one was memoir, it sort of felt like close to memoir, but, but it also just felt like far enough out that it could be like a very universal, um, you know, high school relationship feeling. Yeah, it's, it, it is, it is based on, uh, sort of my first real relationship. And actually this is so funny. This, this, this will never end. Um, in my, in spinning my, my book, uh, I, I, in it is the real relationship that I love this part is based on. Okay. So, so readers will sort of get to see what the source of that book is, but yeah, I love this part, um, was definitely based on, on a real relationship for me. It ended differently. It didn't end the way I ended it. And I love this part. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm really happy with that book. Um, but I think, uh, it was, it was surprisingly one of the easiest things I've ever done. Um, the, because I think it's, it's very just naturally, I think I tend to write those kinds of stories. I think naturally it's very easy for me to sort of write this kind of smooth, calm dialogue between two young girls who love each other. That's just sort of like what I, I like to do. It's kind of my niche. And so like writing the dialogue for the book and making the pacing was just like, I just, it was like, I did it in one sitting, basically. I sat down and I, with a marker and a stack of paper, and I drew the entire book, and I sent it to my editor, and he was like, great, I love it, let's do it. And then I did the final art, and that was literally it. It just, it just, I just kind of, I, I literally just poured out. And I was in the senior studio, actually, when I did that. So that's cool. Um, little CCS tidbit. But, um, yeah, it, it just... I'm sorry, what'd you say? Was that the fi- your final project then, or was it just like... It was, it was actually at the beginning of my second year. So I was uh, in the senior studio. So okay. I was supposed to be working on my thesis, but instead I was doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought um, the, the, you're talking about like the way the story flows. It, um, music plays a big part in the story, and I, I sort of feel like the way you drew it and paced the story, it sort of felt like a song or like a mixtape you would... I mean, maybe mm. you might be too young to know what mixtapes are. But, um, I know what a mixtape like, is. A play, I've never playlist. touched one, I don't think, but I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, it, but it sort of, it sort of almost felt like you were writing uh, maybe more like a song, like, like a, a song, a song to that relationship. Um, like it had yeah. that flow to it. Yeah, like definitely. Sort of like, well, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Well, just sort of, yeah, like, like just snip, snippets of moments that kind of like create this pastiche that's like, it's almost more like a feeling than a narrative in some ways. I mean, yeah. there's a narrative there, but like it's like the feeling is stronger, you know. 
I don't know if that it is. And I, you know, when I started it, I, I sort of I didn't really know when I sat down to, to sort of roughly draw the whole thing. I didn't really know where it was going to go or what the arc was going to be. And I remember sitting down and drawing just I was like, OK, I'm just going to do these moments just like, you know, this to this moment, to this moment, to this moment, just these one page little snippets. And then as I was sitting there drawing it, I sort of it was like, yeah, it was like a song. It's like I felt the tempo rising in me. As, you know, things got faster and then those little moments started to show moments of tension and then, you know, suddenly we were somewhere else and I just sort of like, you know, was in this fury until suddenly I was at the end and I was like, oh, oh my God, I just, I, I guess I just did that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, some something about this, the structure at the end, I was like, that was like, that was a, that was like a, a pop song. It was like a Taylor Swift song about it. I mean, I, I say that liking, liking Taylor Swift a lot. That's not no, 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 totally. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think, I think it's, it's totally, totally like that. that. Yeah, it made me want to know what songs they were listening to, but I felt like also that was like a pretty private. Like, that was almost the most private thing in the story, is, like, the songs they were sending. Yeah. People. You know, I did actually consider, I considered once maybe putting in lyrics, but then I thought, you know, no, that's not... That's, that's not the point. point. That's, that's not right. why. That's, that's not, not what, what the music, music is there for. It's, it's not actually. I mean, it's music, but it's not really music. It's it's something that they're sharing. Um, so I will not say what they were listening to. Yeah, there, you actually. I was going to ask you, but then I think recently in the last couple of weeks, you had a, one of your diary comics was something about <laughs> like I don't like to tell people what I'm listening to, and I was like, okay, noted. Oh my god, that is so funny. Yeah, I got a lot of uh, texts after posting that comics of people asking me what music I listen to. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not going to. God damn it! That's good. No, a little. That's a little privacy. A little mystery is good. Um, exactly. Yeah, and um, so the other, the other, um, I guess your most recent Avery Hill um, project is a city inside, which yes, you you talked about having a lot of dreams, and th- this more than I think. I think all of your comics have a sort of dreamlike quality to them. Like, and there's there's I think I, I think almost all of your comics have has. Uh, at least multiple shots of of characters like falling asleep or waking up or like in bed oh together. every book yep yeah. yep every book Which, I mean and it makes it makes sleep like your books make sleep seem like really appealing like I'm like oh man <laughs> I kind of want to take a nap after I finish reading this like um, but <laughs> funny but um and I think a city inside it feels it's almost like it's it seems like it's like guided meditation or or like a waking dream almost I, there's yeah like, um, yeah absolutely. So yeah, when it, was was that an actual? Have you was that like guided? Was it based on like, like going to guided meditation or something? Or was it? No, it wasn't. So it wasn't based on that, but it definitely was influenced by a few dreams that I had around the time that I drew it. And I think I think when I did a city inside, I felt like I wanted to just make a story and not not force myself to bring it back down to reality because in general I, I as I'm drawing I, I can see the dreamlike quality in my work and I try and almost turn that down a little so it doesn't get too overwhelming for the reader so it doesn't feel like they're just in a dream yeah. um, but for a city inside I was kind of like you know I kind of I kind of just want to do whatever I kind of just want to let these dreams I had influence me and I just kind of want to draw this story and let it be whatever it's gonna be and and a city inside is I think I think that's the book I've done the fastest. I love this part was pretty quick. I did that in a month. But A City Inside, I think I did over spring break. And so I just, I, I was I was kind of half awake, half asleep because I was working so much. And this book, again, just kind of like poured out. And, and so I think because of that, it has this sort of extremely dreamlike quality to it. But I also definitely was like purposely 
letting myself make it as dreamy as I wanted to. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice. And I think, I think your work, it does, there is like that, a, a balancing act of, um, of seeming dreamlike, but then coming, coming back to seeming very, very real. Like, uh, yes. Yeah. Like there's some moments in the end of summer where it's like, there are these very traumatic moments that it comes back to that sort of like, almost like pop this illusory bubble of a dream. Mm, Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so you drew a city inside is like, it's what, it's like 50 pages, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's like 50 or 60. Originally, I had planned, so A City Inside, I thought I'm doing I Love This part was last minute. I literally just emailed my editor this thing. I was like, hey, I kind of want to do this, and then we made it happen. But A City Inside, um, I had had this idea for this 30-page comic, which was based on some dreams, and and that's what it ended, that's what ended up becoming A City Inside. But I did not plan on it being that long, and I did also did not plan on it being a book. But my publishers got into TCAF, and we were like, oh, we should do something for TCAF. And I was like, oh, hey, by the way, I, I've done, like, the first couple pages of this maybe 30-page thing. Let me send it to you, and maybe we can do that for TCAF. And he was like, is this really going to be 30 pages? And I was like, well, probably not. Um, and so, and yeah, I just, uh, I just threw that thing together. It just, yeah. And it, it's also, like, a lot of the art in it was not too complex. It's the same with I Love This Part. A lot of the art for that was really easy for me to just kind of do. Um, Whereas the end of summer and then spinning, I had to really kind of hone in on each page and really focus on it. Yeah, like get out out the perspective uh, vanishing points. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, Uh, how many, uh, I was gonna like, (laughs) how many, if you, so uh, like something for like the cover of the end of summer, like how many vanishing points do you you put on a, a like around your drawing board on a page like that like oh I don't even do that anymore I just I yeah I I stopped doing that about a year ago um yeah I just I I literally just kind of no perspective now and just draw it just internalize it at this rate yeah yeah I have and because of that like you'll see this in spinning some of the perspective is like slightly off but I've actually started to really enjoy that quality to it um, because there's a lot of scenes with tile floors in spinning and I sort of, I actually really love how a lot of the tile floors are just like slightly askew um, with their perspective because uh, it just adds this like kind of, you know, again, that shining thing, uh, yeah. that sort of unsettling quality to it. But yeah, in general, I've, I just, I know perspective now I can do two, three point or whatever I need to do uh, just sort of naturally now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I actually just had a scene in one of my comics where I drew like a, a it, I was like, man, this feels like it's like a bad dream, which is kind of cool. It wasn't intentional. I was like, why is that? And then I looked, it was like the tile floor was like, my perspective was slightly off. And I was like, oh, it seems like they're in like a fun house kind of like. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love that. It's yeah. so fun. It's, I, it's, I sometimes, sometimes now purposely kind of twist my ruler a little bit to make it off. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so how it seemed like for spinning, you were drawing, I mean, I feel like at the beginning of your Patreon diary comics, like, on, like, day one or two, you were like, I have, like, 200 pages to draw, and then, like, by day 30, you were like, I just finished my book, <laughs> and I was like, what? That's, <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of actually what happened. I, I, I sort of, yeah, I did 200 pages in a month. Jeez, so that's, that's incredible. Um, do you, oh, so thanks. Does that feel, does that feel, are you, because I know a lot of cartoonists who are like, you know, 
I don't know if, if we like internalize this thing like a page a day is a lot and then like two pages a day is a really lot and like, mm -hmm. like three pages a day is crazy. Did did I did you have that? I mean, but then of course like Tezuka, who's is a guy who I think over the course of his career averaged thirteen pages a day for like Jesus fifty years yeah. or something. Um, but he had assistance for background, I think. He did, yeah. yeah. Um, so do you have assistance? I'm just kidding. I wish. Yeah. No, but unfortunately. So, so do, do you, are you not, do you, I don't know, do you, are you not daunted by the idea of doing a certain amount of pages a day? Do you just, like, sit? I, I think I used to be. I think I have slowly been breaking down that barrier with every day as I prove to myself that I can do a lot in each day. And I think, I think, especially in this, in these past 30 days, doing sort of the second half of the book, I realized that... A page is just a page. I don't know. I, I just kind of had, I just, a moment clicked for me where I realized I can do any page and, and I can just do it. It doesn't matter how much time it takes, it will get done. And so with every day, if I had to do 18 pages that day, I was like, you know, at the start of the day, that sounded like a hell of a lot. But by the time I had done nine pages, I would say to myself, I only have nine more. You know, that's fine. If I do one more, I only have eight more. I just, yeah. I, you know, I just have to kind of set my mindset up for it. And then, you know, I, I, I continued to surprise myself because I did not think I would finish this book in time. And I did not think I could do 200 pages in a month because even I know that's a little bit crazy. That's a lot. But every day when I would sit down to draw, I would get faster and I'm still getting faster. And by the end of those 30 days, I felt this kind of strange power where I was like, Oh my God, I, I continue to get faster. How, how is this even possible? But it's true that the more pages I draw, the more I realize that my hand just moves faster when I draw people and when I draw places, I don't, and I have to think less and less, you know, the, the beginning of these 30 days when I drew this, uh, I was doing a lot less pages per day than I was doing at the end of the 30 days. So it wasn't an even pace. I was doing a lot more towards the end, and that was because I was getting faster. Cool. Um, well, that's really impressive. Yeah, I, I find that, like, um, as I've drawn, like, I, I can draw, as particularly when I get used to drawing a character, like, it just becomes, like, it's almost, I don't know, it just becomes, like, second nature to draw a character. Um, I, I don't necessarily, some, some in some places I feel that way about, but if it's like a new place or something, yeah, I get like totally tripped up. I'm like, oh, what, how do I? Yeah, I yeah, like, totally. What does a coffee pot look like, you know? Like, oh my God. You know, oh, so, I know. Do you, so do you, do you find yourself doing a lot of photo reference or like just like collecting reference um, or was it just, I mean, you lived this story, so you had yeah. all the Yeah, no, I actually made a point to not use photo reference um, okay. because I wanted, you know, like that, that image we were talking about earlier of me in the rink. Yeah, there are I know the name of that rink I could I could if I got on a plane I could go to it you know I I could easily find pictures of it but I I wanted it to look more like it looks in my memory because I think that adds this other quality to it because the thing is the way I was trained as an artist is if I'm given a photo and I have to draw it I will make it the most accurate drawing ever I will make everything match perfectly I will make it perfectly to scale because that's how I was trained and so because of that I try and avoid using photos so there can be inconsistencies and inaccuracies because I like I like that I like that quality to it and I like things matching how it how I remember it feeling rather than how I remember it looking okay yeah that's interesting no and and I mean 
yeah, your work, I don't mean to imply that your work looks photo referency at all, because that's something that's a, a big turnoff for me in comics. And oh, no, 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 but I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's very realistic, realistic still, despite yeah, it's, that. It's, it's, it's realistic, and the, the spaces feel like very, um, I guess organic is the wrong word, but they feel, um, they feel real. Like, they feel like they have a character to them, which is really cool, but without, but I mean, yeah, like, the places and the, the stuff in the end of summer, like, couldn't I don't think could possibly be photo reference because I don't think there's anything <laughs> like, like that. No, they don't. They don't exist. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool because you can, it's it has at the same time it's sort of like dreamlike made up quality, but it's like it feels so real. You're like, is this a place? Like, it's very interesting. It's cool. It's a cool effect. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I I talk about that a lot. A lot of people ask me about how I draw spaces, and it's funny because I both feel like I'm capable of drawing these really interesting spaces, but at the same time, you know, when I was drawing spinning, I'd have to draw like a desk. And I'd be like, how do you draw a desk? I can't do it. Yes. And I just get like, you know, really upset about a desk. Right. And it's like, you know, I'm still human. <laughs> right. Yeah. The little things can like really trip you up because you're like, wait, what does that look? Yeah. It's funny. Oh, God. Yeah. I hate drawing uh, school scenes. They make me so angry. And there are a lot of school scenes in this book where I had to draw desks and lockers. Yeah. Did you find yourself um, like drawing classmates and then feeling like you need to change like you're like, oh, I drew this person, like, they'll be able to, like, tell it was them. And, like, yeah, to yeah, I, I, I had, like, a bunch of moments where I would draw someone, and I knew they would recognize themselves, and then I would think, is this the kind of person that would find that cute and funny? And if the answer is yes, I would keep it. If not, I would be like, ooh, let's make their hair black now. Let's, let's just change that a little bit. But I know, I already know there's going to be so many people who come out of the woodworks when this book is published and be like, is that me? How did, why did you portray me as that girl who's annoying? And it's like, I don't know if that's you. Oh, my God. You know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see the response I get. But, yeah, I've definitely been drawing people I know. And then there's a lot of um, – I had to draw a lot of – these sheets on walls that that list names of the winners of competitions because that yeah. our result results would be posted and so I have just had a field day putting in names of friends and of characters uh, as the as the competition winners and so I would text my friend like you just won first place at the love to skate competition in Dallas and he'd be like what and it's like I put your name on the thing <laughs> cool um, well so that'll be out. Uh, you're saying it sounds like September-ish 2017? Yeah, I believe it'll be at SPX, I think. Oh, cool. That'll be awesome. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and I hate to ask um, people this when they've just finished a huge project, but um, you, you did sort of mention that do you do you have stuff you're you're looking forward to working on coming up in the next? Oh yeah, months? oh yeah. My my most I have a project that I have to start like really soon. Oh, really? Uh, as in like any day I can start, I need to start. Um, yeah, I, the next thing that I'm excited about is, oh, I don't know if I should say this. My editor might get mad. I don't care. I don't care. It's probably going to be a webcomic, um, and it's probably going to start pretty soon, and then we'll be collected in a book. It's going to be, I'm doing this sort of, I, I say sci-fi, but I don't think it's actually sci-fi. I think it's just sci-fi because it takes place in space. Um, but I'm doing some sort of space story, and most of the story is worked out, but I'm not going to say the details yet, but I'm very excited to do that. Oh, that's exciting. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, I'm pumped. Cool. Well, any um, – all right, well, thank, thanks for talking today. Is there, there any, any last shout-outs you want to give? Or, uh, no, or no, I think we covered everything. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Um, well, listeners should check out your Patreon account um, under Tilly Walden on Patreon. I, I think if you just 
like search for your name on Betray and it'll come up because you're doing yeah. great daily uh, diary comics. Um, and there are the three, your three books are out from Avery Hill. Um, and I, yeah, I, one thing, cool thing is like, I don't usually like to order books from Amazon, but I was looking for two of your books to order to read for this. And I saw on Amazon that you're like, you were actually selling the books directly via Amazon. Yeah. So people, you can buy your books directly from Amazon, which is cool, for, but it's actually you, which is cool. Cause it I is. And I, I often put goodies in the book. So yeah. that's yeah. an incentive. I got, I got some cool little book plates. So I would recommend that's this is one of the only times I will recommend buying something from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, you will get the books directly from Tilly. So um, thank you again, Tilly, and um, I appreciate you talking today. Yeah, thank you. All right.